0: Stonks go up? Welcome to some escapades, everybody! A chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library, hamma a games at a time. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, and we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. It is Relitigation Day here at the old Snescapades Laboratory. We're putting some games back under the microscope at the behest of some of our wonderful guests from our holiday episode that came out about a month ago now. Yep. That's pretty much all we got on the agenda today.
1: Pretty much, but we do have quite a few games to do another another look at. It's going to be a pretty quick look for each of those games, uh, just because there are so many of them. We're going to be looking back at some stuff that, you know, some of it from really near the, the start of... The Super Nintendo's library, uh, some of it from, you know, um, more recently, and kind of just see if uh, if we got it right or if we want to move things around a little bit.
0: So, yeah. yeah. We've got a couple of things happening here. We had uh, Derek from Rolling Misadventures wanting to talk about uh, Mario Kart and Top Gear. We had uh, Kami Jace talking about soul blazer and final fantasy two that is maybe going to lead to a shakeup in the top 10 so i think we might save his suggestions for last because that's major shakeups there if anything changes and we also had uh trevor back on the show talking about axley of course as well as final fight and uh just kind of you know in, in comparison to some of the other games in those respective genres uh shmups and brawlers that we have ranked higher than those yeah he kind of felt like maybe they should have been ranked a little bit higher in relation to some of those other ones uh and we're we're gonna talk about all of that and i don't know where where do we want to start i was kind of thinking maybe the mario kart top gear question might be a good place because that that seems like that's gonna be pretty clean
1: yeah let's start with that and then we'll move on to the shmups and uh final fight and then uh at the end we'll we'll see about our our two our two top 10 contenders so yeah yeah let's talk about top gear and super mario kart currently our numbers 12 and 13 on the list so right next to each other right outside the top 10 so do you want to briefly sort of restate what the argument was for from maybe these ones going going in, a, in slightly different order
0: Derek basically just kind of wondered how we could possibly put Mario Kart below Top Gear, even though he had played Top Gear, which is good. I'm, I'm glad that he does know what that game is and that it is very good. And he did say that he liked it. But The big thing for him, I think, was... Mario Kart's battle mode. Now, I'm going to say when we played Top Gear, we were really impressed by it because we were expecting absolutely nothing. It's it's not even a franchise I think either of us were really all that familiar with. It maybe no. didn't even know that this existed on the SNES.
1: No, I definitely didn't. So it was just a nice a really nice surprise to find this really quality racing game that really did incorporate some of the neat stylistic uh touches that it could do with the the Super Nintendo's hardware and was I think kind of managing to represent a type of racing game that is, frankly, kind of hard to do well.
0: Yeah, and I think that this game is really well presented. Honestly, I'm not even sure how they pulled this off. The tracks all have a sort of element of verticality to them that you're just not going to see in something that, like Mario Kart that's using pure Mode 7 to render a very flat map as, as your racetrack around the sprite. Uh, representing your kart. I just found it to be very graphically impressive. I really enjoyed some of the tunes happening in that game. I really liked the soundtrack. I am not a racing person, and I was very, very impressed with this one. So I think that that is the big reason why not only did it rank so high, but we decided to put it one rank above Mario Kart. Because,
1: you
0: know, I think with Mario Kart, we know what's going on. It's a Mode 7 game. I am going to make a claim that maybe some people might not like, and that I think that Top Gear looks a little bit better than Mario Kart. Mario Kart's obviously got a style going for it that is very cool and very Nintendo, and and I enjoy it. definitely. But I think Top Gear just kind of looks
1: cooler honestly I kind of agree and like I love things that top gear does like the uh the headlight effect yeah when you're racing in the dark really cool little touches like that that I think are are mostly honestly in, in that case on like the art direction side and not so much on the we put because because uh, for Super Mario Kart one thing we I can't remember how much we talked about this or not, but you know, for as much as we we talk about how like you know it was a big deal that Star Fox put the Super FX chip in the cartridge so that it could like kind of push the Super Nintendo beyond its limits. Mm-hmm. Actually, Super Mario Kart also did that because Super Mario Kart, not with the Super FX chip, but with a uh, a different a different kind of you know additional chip in the cartridge that made it possible for it to do things like the split screen mode sevens stuff that, uh, you know, the game's predecessor, F-Zero, was not capable of doing. So, you know, Nintendo uh, was really kind of pushing the technology a little further there than just what the base Super Nintendo could do, which is also cool. That's also a neat thing. But I don't know, it doesn't really have quite the same effect for me that that the Top Gear... Stuff does.
0: I think if we were just rating both of these as pure racing games, I think Top Gear would run away with this one, no question. But the things that Derek wanted to point out, particularly, were things like the battle mode in Mario Kart, which just gives so much more meat to the experience. And honestly, like, battle mode is probably 90% of what most people used that game for back in the day, I would imagine
1: probably true. Like, the fact that you can do both, like, very solid multiplayer racing, but also the battle mode, which is not a thing that I think there's really any kind of direct equivalent of in other Super Nintendo games, uh, at least at this point. That's a really big thing in its favor, and it's it's true that, given that Top Gear only has the one mode, there's only one sort of line of comparison you can make there. But the fact that Mario Kart does have these additional very well-fleshed out and really Cool alternate modes of play that you can do with other people is a really big thing in its favor. Regardless of, you know, whatever we can say about, yeah, you know, Super Mario Kart is not quite as good as, you know, the later Mario Kart games that were made on way more evolved hardware than this. You know, take that completely... Out of the way And just look at what's there And you've still got A really fun game That was doing Some really new stuff
0: Yeah And I mean I think both of these games As racers Are fun to play Uh, They both have A two player component So you can race Against other players You know You can race against a friend Kart's tracks also have a diversity to the tracks that's pretty neat. You've got your, your Bowser Castle levels where you've got the lava and the thwomps. You've got your ghost house levels. Some courses have very obvious shortcuts that you can utilize if you get the right item. This game does have items. It has weapons that you can use against the other racers, which is something Top Gear doesn't have. So there's a lot more ways to play Mario Kart then there is top gear that might be the thing that does convince us that maybe Mario Kart deserved to be ahead of Top Gear or maybe me at least. I don't know. how do you feel about it right now?
1: I feel like this is a convincing argument honestly. Like I really like Top Gear but I think that you know the kind of the more you look at at Mario Kart and how much kind of new and creative stuff it was doing with the format of a racing game that maybe does give it an edge and the battle mode remains fun you know i mean it's it's a simple version of that but it is still it is still a really good time and it's definitely something extremely different from just racing against somebody else they didn't have to put that in there like that is not a thing that anybody would have been like, yeah, I wish there was a little bit more to this game if they hadn't put the battle mode in there. But because they did, that became a really iconic part of this series to the point where they were able to do a a re-release of the most recent one of the games uh, and put the battle mode in, and that was a, a worthwhile selling feature for many people. As much as I do really love the quality and the craft of Top Gear... I think that probably in the grand scheme of things, Super Mario Kart just pushes slightly slightly above it.
0: To be clear, like the only thing that's gonna happen is these two are gonna swap spots. Like Top Gear is still gonna be a top fifteen game. Like that it, it's It's that good. I would say, you know, the one thing that I tend to knock Super Mario Kart for is just the fact that the Super Nintendo game tends to be obsolete in the shadow of every single other Mario Kart that has come out on every other system since then, because there's just so many more features in all of those games that I don't really know why you would go back to this one over any of the others. But also, this is the only one that doesn't have a blue shell as far as I know. So maybe that's
1: true. Maybe this
0: is actually the best one because it doesn't have that BS in it. So yeah, so are are we gonna go ahead and swap these then?
1: I think let's go ahead and swap them. I'm gonna give the people um a hot take here. Not really related to this, but I think it needs to be out there. Okay. The best kart racer ever is Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed, not any of the Mario Kart games.
0: It does have Skies of Arcadia characters in it. Yeah,
1: it Skies of Arcadia characters. It's got it's got Samba de Amigo. Yeah, it's got you know it's got a lot of good good stuff in that game.
0: Honestly, Nintendo and Sega should team up for like one big cart racer, like Nintendo versus Sega.
1: That would be incredible. Honestly,
0: I honestly don't know why like there hasn't just been a Smash Brothers. It's just straight up been a Nintendo versus Sega affair at this point.
1: I know, like they're very comfortable working with each other. They do those weird olympics games every time the new olympics comes up yeah uh you know so like yeah i don't know it's it's strange
0: Yeah, just make it happen, guys. Come on. All right. So Super Mario Kart is now going to be number 12. Top Gear is number 13. We have corrected that, even though, you know, again, I I think it's real close because Top Gear just really floored us and it came out of nowhere. Still a great game. Yeah, but Mario Kart does just have more stuff happening in it. And good stuff, too.
1: So, yeah, uh, congratulations, Super Mario Kart. Now our number 12 game. Uh, Slight apologies to Top Gear, our number 13. Yeah, but I mean, only
0: slight because, again, it's up there.
1: Anywhere in, I think, our top 25 is not bad company to be in.
0: All right. So let's move on to some of Trevor's picks. And I I don't think we're going to be quite as kind to his picks, unfortunately. Uh, I hate to do it, because I I would consider Trevor a friend at this point. He's been on our show a couple times.
1: Yeah, we're not picking on Trevor, and, like, honestly, at this point, especially the axel thing, is just a fun thing to chew on, I think. We've definitely looked at axel I I don't think we've looked at Final Fight before in terms of re-ranking, but... You know, I think that looking at them in the context of other games in their specific genre is a valuable thing. And that's sort of what the angle we decided to take here.
0: And one thing I do want to do before we possibly hurt Trevor's feelings here, I do want to plug his show, uh, which we were on recently, by the way. Yes, we were. It was a lot of fun. It was. We were talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. So if you're not listening to Catching Up on Cinema, uh, you really should be doing that. Uh, Go find Catching Up on Cinema on all of the podcast things. They are at Catching Cinema on Twitter. So go find them. Go listen to all the episodes, not just the one that we were on, but I mean, especially the one that
1: we were on. That's a really good show. And uh, we thank them tremendously for having us on to
0: to talk about that bad movie. Thanks to Trevor as well for sharing his story for the holiday episode, too. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, I replayed Final Fight. I also replayed, I decided to go back and play a little bit more uh, Rival Turf and Sonic Blast Man to kind of give me a comparison for some brawlers of the era. And uh, honestly, <laughs> if anything, we might have Final Fight ranked too high <laughs> after <laughs> playing those. Where is Final Fight for the people at home right now? Final Fight is number 60 right now, and it, I'm being a little bit facetious. I don't think I actually want to drop Final Fight down any. I think... Graphically it looks pretty good. Um I think the sprite work in this game is all right. I don't think it's amazing. It's a little muddy,
1: honestly, in some places like it looks like they kind of just like put like a weird filter on the arcade game in certain places. It's pretty good though. I mean it's Capcom sprite work. It's got a lot of personality. The sprites are huge. That's something that's absolutely very impressive about this game is how big those sprites are.
0: I think that like the colors in this game look better when in comparison to something like sonic blast man where i feel like the character sprites and those especially for the enemies like they they look kind of weird the shading on them is strange like they like they have like this almost like bright orange outline look to them but this is like super nitpicky. I really enjoyed playing Rival Turf and Sonic Blast Man a lot more than Final Fight. And I think the fact that Final Fight is only a one-player game, I would honestly say that, like, if you think you really like the Super Nintendo version of Final Fight, I would bet you'd have a better time with Sonic Blast Man.
1: That is also a one-player brawler. You know, Sonic Blast Man is not necessarily trying to, like, really push the envelope technologically. But I do think that it is a more stable experience than Final Fight. Like, that was the thing that really kind of struck me, because Final Fight was a pretty early game for the Super Nintendo, and I think that, apart from it just being a one-player game, you know, nothing about its presentation really struck me as off or anything. But playing it now, especially after playing several other brawlers, you can definitely see that they were kind of straining to get this thing working as it did on the Super Nintendo. There are weird, juddery... Like slowdown instances in the game that really do kind of make it feel worse to play. Like they're not consistent. They're just things where you get too many of those big sprites on screen or you get, you know, an explosion happening and all of a sudden Mike Hagar feels kind of garbage to control for like five seconds, especially for a game that's cut some corners to get from the arcade to the home system. I would like to have seen maybe a more extensive reimagining of it, which we know that Captain is very capable of doing in order to make a better Super Nintendo game. It is fun to play; like it has good controls. It's it's satisfying to do a lariat on guys and kick a stack of tires and eat the gross beef that's under it. So it's all fun, uh, and it's not a bad game by any means. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's better than any of the other brawlers that we have ranked above it right now.
0: Final Fight also just has some issues where it feels very much like the arcade quarter munching, nothing you can do but get hit and, you know, keep feeding the machine quarters to get through some of these fights. That is really annoying on a home console because you can't just do that to keep progressing. I hate the way the game takes you back to the beginning of a level when you lose all your lives. I know that you pick up right where you left off after burning a continue in rival turf. Um, And those levels are long, like there's a lot of segments to them. So you lose a lot of progress and it's just super frustrating. Like I said, like I'd I'd almost be tempted to drop it down, but eh, I don't think I'm going to do that.
1: I don't think it really deserves that, but I do think that it is more of kind of like an artifact of the fact that, you know, some of these companies that had been really kind of on their A-game on the NES, took a little while to get up to speed on the Super Nintendo.
0: I don't like the movement in this game. Like, the characters in Rival Turf can really zip around the screen in a way that feels satisfying. Sonic Blast Man is a little bit slower, but he's got a jump that covers a lot of space in a short amount of time. They're just easier characters to control than either um, Hagar or um, other guy. Cody. Cody. Yeah, there you go. We've probably, you know, dragged this game enough at this point. But, yeah, needless to say, I think that one's going to stay at number 60. Uh, Sonic Blast Man and Rival Turf are at 48 and 47, respectively, and that's where they are going to stay for now. That brings us to Axelay at number 85. I did not play as many shmups in preparation for this. I did play some more Axelay. I finally started making some progress in Axelay. I got to about level four, I think.
1: Okay. So you saw two of the horizontal scrolling stages and and two of the three-quarters perspective, mode seven-enabled, you know, top-down sections. So in contrast to you, I unfortunately did not make a ton more progress with Axelay than I had before, but I did go back and replay parts of... Gradius III, Darius Darius Twin, and Super R-Type. So, you know, I tried to give myself sort of a taste of all of those back-to-back just to see how I felt like the things these games were all doing measured up against each other. And, you know, if any of them really got it, like, you know more right than the others. And it's not a super one-to-one comparison with Axelay in all cases, because, uh, you know, the the perspective is different for for those. But I think in a lot of ways, they are comparable. I do feel like all of these games have really good qualities to them. Comparison to to them, Axelay doesn't really do it for me. This is a different sort of thing than what we were just talking about with Final Fight, where Final Fight was really struggling to be a, a proper version of the game that it is based on. Whereas Axel-A, you can see right away, built from the ground up for the Super Nintendo, taking really good advantage of the hardware, uh, attractive game to look at. But I personally have come to the conclusion that I really don't think that the, the perspective, the behind-the-back uh, levels. I don't think that perspective works very well for the gameplay. I don't think that I like the way that the ship moves. I don't like the way that like you you are you know sort of positioned in relationship to other objects in the environment.
0: It messes with your perspective a lot, and I think it makes it difficult to read the game, especially at first. Here's my big problem with Axelay, but also like every shmup on this list to some extent. I feel like good game design means that conceivably a player can avoid getting hit at all their first time through the game if they're paying close enough attention and picking up on enemy patterns fast enough. I don't think these games give you that chance. Like, I think these games rely on things in which you are going to die the first time you encounter them because you just have no way to predict or make adjustments for how they behave the first time. Like, you have to anticipate it before anything gets telegraphed to you visually. And maybe it's just because I'm bad at these games. That's entirely possible. I'm I, on the record saying I am not a shmup person. But I do think that these games kind of rely on unfair tactics that force you to memorize what's coming next and anticipate it before you get any visual indicator that it's about to happen. And, and I think Axley is very guilty of that.
1: Can you give me kind of your your brief take on like how differently the game the game perfor- the game plays in the side view stages versus the, the forward scrolling ones?
0: I like the side view levels a lot more. The thing about the the top view levels is that I feel like every time I move the ship to the left or the right, I'm always being sucked back towards the center of the screen. Right, yeah. And it's really weird, especially when you have to make precise maneuvers around obstacles, where that's not a problem in uh the, the side scrolling levels that the, you, you control pretty much freely. It it plays just like your, your standard side scrolling shmup. I will say, you know, something that we've knocked Axley for or I've knocked Axley for in the past is the fact that you're kind of powering down as you go through a level because every time you get hit You lose a weapon and there are no power-ups. I kind of made peace with that mechanic as I was going through the game this last time because it does prevent that death spiral that a lot of shmups have issues with where you've powered up, but then you lose a life. From one hit, maybe, and then uh-huh. you're starting from, uh, you know, some kind of checkpoint, and now you don't have any of your weapons, and you might not be able to get them back before facing an encounter in which you really need them, and that, right. you know, that creates that death spiral. Actually, I think it avoids that by just saying, like, okay, every life you get all your weapons back. Also, you get to start right from where you, you died, so there's no real checkpointing that you have to worry about.
1: Which is the case with, I believe... Darius Twin, but it's not the case with the other games that, you know, I I replayed for this one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that the power-up system, or the the, the power-down system in (laughs) Axle I guess, is interesting. I kind of regard it as the same sort of, like, feeling like it's slightly over-designed in the same way that Phalanx is. Phalanx also had an overly involved system For having and keeping power-ups I actually do agree with what you're saying That, you know, it is nice to Upon getting a a new life That you just have all of your weapons again But I just kind of feel like There's a few things in Axelay Where, like, I admire That they were trying to do something different But it kind of feels like They created more problems for themselves Than they solved by doing that I do I do still think that, you know, like what Trevor mentioned, that the music in Axley is very good. I think that's definitely true. And I think there's some really nice sprite work in it. And it feels okay to play, but I don't think that there's a lot of circumstances where I would want to play this versus the other shmups that we've ranked higher than it. But... That being said, now that I look at the list and where Axley is on the list, I think there might be an argument for moving it up a few spots.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Like, I I don't think it's going to go as high as any of the other uh, shmups that Trevor mentioned by name in in his uh, request. But so right now, Axelay is at 85. We've got Strike Gunner STG at 81. Strike Gunner STG is one that I like, but I will freely admit that it is probably not what most shmup fans are looking for. It is a much more laid back and chill experience. That's probably not what people actually wanted out of that genre. Fair enough. I am willing to, you know, elevate it above that. I would say it could probably go above Phalanx, which I've already forgotten most of what's in that game other than the, the weird box art, so...
1: It's all right. It's just kind of overdesigned, I think.
0: I could see it going as high as 80. I, I don't think I would put it above True Golf Classics, YLI, Country Club at 79. No. Though, honestly... Maybe above Lethal Weapon at 78. Maybe we swap those two and put it above Lethal Weapon.
1: OK, I would actually
0: be good with that. OK, so Lethal Weapon's going to get bumped down below True Golf Classics, first of all. So we'll, we'll do that. And now we're going to just take Axelay at 85 and we're going to move it up to 79. So that's going to put it above Lethal Weapon, Phalanx, Strike Gunner, STG, Wing Commander, Prince of Persia and Hyperzone. And Hyperzone will now be at 85 where Axelay was. Axelay is now 79. I'm much more comfortable having Axelay above Hyperzone, I think. You
1: know, I just, looking at this, I cannot see an argument for Hyperzone actually being a better game than Axelay.
0: I think Hyperzone's got a lot of the same problems. Like, it's it's a really novel experiment, but it's just not fun, and I think Axelay does a lot more stuff, I, I, I think he does things more correctly.
1: I think there's a lot more game to Axelay than there is to Hyperzone.
0: Okay, so I hope that that's enough. Um, I don't think we're going to revisit this one again because because I think this is the second time we have
1: I think this is our our final kind of our final word on on Axale, but I do I do appreciate looking at this one in the context of other games in its genre
0: so that brings us finally to um, to the request from Kami Jace of uh, the Weekly Cooldown podcast Which is that uh, he thinks Soul Blazer, which is now at number eight, should maybe go a little bit higher than it is right now. And he and Derek both mentioned that maybe Final Fantasy 2 was a bit, it was maybe ranked a bit too high. And I, I think that we have maybe dropped Final Fantasy 2 down a spot or two in the past because I think when we first placed it on the list, when, when it almost took number one... We were maybe thinking about the ideal Final Fantasy 2, which is to say the ideal Final Fantasy 4 experience. Right. Which is the more complete game that this was in Japan that sort of got some of the meat taken out. The translation wasn't amazing. Like Some of the things that got taken out of the game for the American release, for this release specifically... Were, we're kind of important on a story level that just make the game feel a little bit disjointed uh, in a way. So like the the big thing that I'm talking about is that there's a moment in the game about halfway through, I would guess, where your main character kind of undergoes a transformation. He doesn't want to be a Dark Knight anymore. He wants to use his abilities to defend people. And so he kind of makes this transformation from Dark Knight to a Paladin. Before he can become the Paladin, he has to face down himself as the Dark Knight. In order to do that, he has to not attack the Dark Knight. Let the Dark Knight attack him. And the thing is that the Dark Knight attacks with an attack called Darkness, which in the original game actually lowered the character's HP. It was basically a powerful attack that you would do at the cost of your own health. That got removed because they were worried, I guess, that players would be or American players would be put off by the idea of having to sacrifice your HP to attack. So they took it out. And as a result, this very important moment, uh, this very important story beat in the game didn't make sense back then to American gamers. How am I defeating this character if I'm not doing anything? So, you know, there's things like that, um, because I think that this game, maybe better than any other Final Fantasy, really blends its game mechanics with its story in a really cool way that I love. Anyway, that's a weird tangent just to say, you know, like there are some things about this game that are less than perfect that get fixed in future versions of this game.
1: I think that's all really good to say, because yeah, that's absolutely not something that you know we really dug into at all in our original discussion of Final Fantasy II. I think it's fair to say. And I also think that if you look at the games that Squaresoft would put out on the Super Nintendo in the years to come, they became a lot more comfortable with letting those sort of like strange gameplay quirks stay exactly as, they were in the versions of the games they put out in in the west there's definitely very cool things like a boss fight in final fantasy 6 aka final fantasy 3 that you know where the the boss upon death uh you know does this this attack that it is absolutely not survivable And the only way to effectively beat that boss and continue the game is a specific summon spell that that removes your party members from the battle uh, as it casts itself. (laughs) That's a cool kind of thing that's very much on the same sort of level as as what you were talking about with the Paladin-Dark Knight fight in Final Fantasy IV. They probably kind of pulled themselves back a little bit too much with this version of the game to make it make it easier and more kind of palatable for this imagined American audience that wouldn't be able to to get it you know Final Fantasy 2 is is very good but it is also a very early Super Nintendo game and there's things about the way it looks and the way it's paced that uh, I I don't think really kind of measure up to to some of the other games that we've seen since then, in in certain ways, I could absolutely see it, uh, see an argument for maybe this version of Final Fantasy II that we got here in in the U.S. Possibly needing to move down a little bit in in the list.
0: Jace the had a really great point too about Soulblazer, and that. Soul Blazer is an experience that you can get similar things on other systems, but it's a pretty unique game. Final Fantasy 2, like Squaresoft and other companies are going to make improvements on the turn-based uh, fantasy RPG that don't make this game obsolete, per se, but are going to overshadow it in some in some aspects. Whereas Soul Blazer kind of remains this very unique gameplay experience, but um, you know, it's, it's maybe got an element of timelessness that Final Fantasy II doesn't. Uh,
1: one thing that I do want to push back on a little bit is the idea that like Final Fantasy II being a turn-based RPG makes it a little bit less like approachable than being an action game like Soul Blazer. Is, I don't really think that's true. Final Fantasy 2 is uh, ultimately a pretty straightforward game. That, you know, is just using a different sort of method of interaction with the world. But it's not it's not confusing or obscure in any way. Like, we're not exactly talking about, like, Dark Souls here or anything, you know?
0: Um, and, and I want to push back a little bit. I, I don't think that is the argument that, that Jace was making.
1: No, no, but I, I feel like it's pretty easy to get into that once you start talking about which one of these games sort of holds up better than the other and I I'd want to make sure that make it clear that that's I don't think that's what he was saying either but I, I want to make sure that nobody nobody takes it that that we're going in that direction with this but I, I do see the point that Soul Blazer is pretty unusual really and even though there are a couple of games made by the same the same folks as Soul Blazer that will sort of continue ideas from it this is a very pure version of that in a way that I really like I, I think that Soul Blazer is is a pretty distinctively good and interesting game.
0: All right, so as far as this list is concerned, I think given what we've talked about here today, I could see Final Fantasy II dropping below TMNT 4, Turtles in Time, uh, which would put it at number six and TMNT at number five. Yeah. I could see Soul Blazer going above Out of This World, which would make it number seven, and Out of This World would be number eight. So then the question is, Do Soul Blazer and Final Fantasy II, from there, swap places? So, I'm gonna say, I think they actually do switch places.
1: And part of that is just because I don't want us to kind of feel boxed in by Final Fantasy II's placement when we come to some of those other games.
0: I I think it's that, but I do think, legitimately, I would probably, if given the choice, you know, to say, like, hey, do you want to spend a weekend playing soul blazer a weekend playing final fantasy two i think i would pick soul blazer first
1: yeah i think that's fair i think that's definitely fair so let's do it so the top
0: 10 getting shooken up just a but bit any, any change
1: to the top 10 is pretty meaningful
0: so i guess you know okay so right now we've got tmnt4 turtles in time at number five soul blazer at number six final fantasy two at number seven out of this world at number eight does Soul Blazer go above TMNT 4? Is that a conversation we should be having?
1: That's a good question. I think TMNT 4 is pretty close to an ideal version of its type of game. I feel like there is is going to be some difficulty for other games of that genre to to kind of measure up to TMNT 4 at all.
0: I mean, it's kind of funny that like something that a, a brawler as good as that one is came out so early. I mean, it really is the Street Fighter 2 problem. It's like, what's going to top that? I right. I don't even know. I, I can't think of a brawler on the Super Nintendo that I legitimately think is going to be better than that. So,
1: yeah, I guess the question really is whether we just think Soul Blazer is a better game than that. I mean,
0: it really depends what you're looking for. I would say if you're going to be playing a single-player game, Soul Blazer definitely goes above TMNT 4. However, if you have the option of playing with friends... That changes things up a little bit. Then maybe multiplayer TMNT4 is a bit more fun or more recommendable than single-player Soul Blazer? Possibly. Even that's kind of a tough call, though, isn't it?
1: We're comparing very different things there, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew we would be doing that when we started doing this podcast. We knew we were going to be comparing apples and oranges a lot.
1: Absolutely. Here's a thing that I will say that is, is not in Soul Blazer's favor some of the bosses in that game are really cheap-feeling. I'm thinking of, like, the first major boss in, in the uh, Grasslands village area. I'm thinking of the major boss for that section, which is, like, this big, you know, this big skeleton guy, and ultimately, uh, like, the the way to beat it is to literally just get really close to it and spam your attack as much as possible and hope that you kind of whittle its health down before it gets you.
0: That almost sounds like a brawler right there, but
1: <laughs> Well, I don't love that. In, in this kind of game, I don't I don't love that. So Soul Blazer does have those moments where some bits of design let it down a little bit, where it's whereas, you know, yeah, okay, TMNT4 can be kind of a little bit cheap in places because it is based on an arcade game but i think it's it's extremely consistent all the way through in what it's expecting of you the issue that i have with that soul blazer fight isn't really so much that fight itself it's going into that fight and getting just sort of rolled by it and being like i have no idea what i was supposed to do here and it's turning out that like the thing you're supposed to do isn't really like a clever trick or anything it's just be really good at this one thing in the game
0: since we it does sound like we've got enough reservations about it maybe we leave these two where they are for now and if somebody else wants to make an argument if anyone out there listening wants to make an argument about you know how soul blazer should maybe be elevated above TMNT 4 turtles in time You know, we will listen to that and we will, you know, revisit this again the next time we do one of these episodes. For right now, uh, that is where things will stay. So right now, our top 10 is Super Mario World, Street Fighter 2, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, Super Castlevania 4, TMNT 4 Turtles in Time, Soul Blazer, Final Fantasy II, Out of This World, Space Megaforce, and at number 10, Act Razor. That is uh, the list. Like list. You know, I like this list. It's a good, diverse list. I like it.
1: Yeah, no, I feel good about it. I feel good about this, and I, I really appreciate all the, the challenges and the requests for things to get looked at again that that we got from from the folks who appeared on the holiday special i feel better about these placements than i did about where they were before
0: i hope that uh that we have appeased everybody out there because i think we have i think we did make a change for uh based on everyone's suggestions so not every suggestion that everyone made but you know everybody i I think everybody now is now represented here Uh, who made a suggestion uh, in our holiday episode, which, uh, hey, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Uh, A lot of really great folks helped us out. Uh, Big thanks again to Kami J's, Derek, Trevor, uh, Mystic and Safi, Greg, everybody who was there. Oh, God, am I forgetting anybody? I don't think so chris from play comics oh my goodness i'm (laughs) my apologies chris um yeah everybody who was there um thank you all so much again it was a lot of fun doing that and listening to everybody's stories hopefully we'll we'll get to do something like that again i don't i don't know what we're gonna do this year you know what holidays are way far away that's a problem for future
1: us that's not that's not not our our problem here in late january 2021 The longest month ever. (sighs)
0: Seems like we keep saying that about every month since last March, huh?
1: Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Weird.
0: Well, hey, I guess uh, since we're kind of going there anyway, let's get serious.
1: Yeah, let's get serious. To
0: get serious. So yeah, uh, that whole crazy thing with the GameStop stocks happened last week. Um, it, it, it'll be much further in the rearview mirror by the time you're listening to this, though. Who knows what happens between then and maybe, now? Maybe it's still going on. We don't know. Yeah, uh, we have no idea. I do not know enough about this stuff to have any sort of educated opinion on it. So I'm just not going to say too much about it. Other than like... Okay, so I was talking to my dad about this, you know, and and, and kind of seeing what he made of all of it. And an interesting thing that he thought was going on that apparently a lot of, you know, the, the your standard news media folks have been saying about this is that they thought this was all about people having some sort of fondness for GameStop and wanting to keep them in business. And that is why they're doing this. And uh, no, that's very much not why this happened. And it's not hard to find out why this happened. It's just that I don't think the older generation, like, Aval knows to, like, check Twitter for, like, the, the actual pulse of what people our age are doing or thinking about things. And it really makes me realize I just don't think they get how bad a situation they have left us in. My thought is going to be like, hey, maybe, you know, get your parents to stop getting their news from CNN for one week and check some other alternative ways of looking at the news. Because I think news outlets like CNN and The Wall Street Journal that are all mostly run by mostly white, mostly old, mostly rich people don't get what's actually happening. Like they're just so far removed. And I mean, you know, and I I do still think that there is – a certain amount of malicious intent on their part too. This is not, you know, me saying that like, I think they're all just innocent little babes that don't understand. It's not that necessarily, but your parents might be, your parents might just be ignorant of what's actually happening. So I would say, yeah, introduce them to some of your favorite video essays, uh, news websites, things like that. Um, try and expand their news diet once in a while, because we can't escape the CNN. We are going to know what CNN's take is, almost certainly. But they can avoid the media that we consume. And maybe they shouldn't do that anymore.
1: Yeah, news and media literacy is a good thing for anybody to have. And yeah, I think that a lot of, I think like you said, you're right, that a lot of people from our parents' generation do not know what they do not know, basically. It's good to, at least try to kind of help people broaden their perspective on stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, you, you might be surprised at how willing some of them are to actually do that if given the opportunity. One more thing to add, money is fake. Please just give people the $2,000 uh,
0: that you... You know. Yes, yeah, please. Government, give everybody $2,000. Uh, maybe keep doing that every month, every other week. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be really good for a lot of folks. Just maybe do that and just kind of see what happens and keep doing that for a while and see what happens. Maybe the whole economy gets better when people aren't constantly scared for their lives because of their financial situation. Mm.
1: But yeah, I think that... That's going to do it, I think. I think that's everything here. So, Steampunk Link, what are we going to look at the next
0: time we do this show? Okay, so we did say that we're going to start doing bi-weekly episodes, so maybe that means we try doing the whole... uh, Three games at a time? Maybe we try that. So we're actually just about at the end of March of 1993. Uh, There's only four games left, and one of them happens to be a football game. It is Tecmo Super Bowl. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to get all the other games from March 93 out of the way. That is... Super Conflict, the Mideast, and Super Strike Eagle, which are two military games. God damn it. (laughs) And the Combat Tribes, which I think is an incredibly mediocre brawler. Yep, I believe that's correct <laughs> That one
1: has a fun cover You guys should look at that
0: uh, Then we will talk about all of the football games For 1993, and then we will move Into April That means we're going to have another Playing With Power
1: episode I'm really looking forward to that Yeah, some good stuff coming up
0: After this next one, I guess
1: Well, yes, after after this next one This next one probably is not going to be Such good stuff, but we'll see Maybe we'll be really surprised by him I haven't played any of these games, so I don't know yep. We thank you, everyone for joining us for this uh we hope you've enjoyed this uh this look back at some of our uh, our previous choices on the list and uh we hope you you join us next time as we get back to the business of uh slogging through march 1993 yeah and until next time i am emmy zero i'm steve Buckley. Uh, play it loud
0: Our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty-free at technoaxe.com. That's dot com. Okay, I got a siren.
1: That's one thing that Mario Kart doesn't have.
0: Actually. Mario Kart does not have a siren. No. So <laughs> like Bowser in a cop cart driving by and pulling people over. A cab. All cops are Bowser. Okay. <laughs> Well, I know what the the cold clothes for this one's going to be now. <laughs> <laughs>